Hello and welcome to the Business and Pleasure podcast, the show that discusses what it's really like to be a digital nomad. We talk about the ups and the downs, the lessons learned, and the big discussion about whether you can really have it all. Today we have AJ. AJ has a YouTube channel where he discusses the good, the bad, and the ugly of being a digital nomad. As well as documenting his digital nomad journey, he's also a copywriter. Today we're going to discuss AJ's journey so far understand why he created his YouTube channel and, and what's next. I'm really excited for this chat with AJ. I've been following him for a while on Twitter now. And not long ago, we bonded over our love for Greg Sausage Rolls. So obviously it was match made in heaven. I had to get him on. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, AJ. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've made me a little hungry now. Already dropping the, <laughs> the G-bomb with the Gregs. Yeah, that, now I'm going to be thinking about that Straight the whole show. Um, I haven't had one in a while, so yeah, that's going to be playing on my mind. And I still find myself very new to the YouTube journey and even the digital nomad journey, even though it's been a couple of years, I still feel like very much, um, a newcomer still figuring it out. So yeah, I have, I feel honored that you've asked me to come on and yeah, I look forward to having a chat. Of course. Yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to cover a lot of things today, which is good. Why don't we start from the very beginning? What were you doing before you became a digital nomad and why did your digital nomad journey begin? Okay. So I don't think it's the most typical start, but I don't know if there is a typical start to being a digital nomad, but basically I graduated maybe like seven years ago and I just really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life um, and I'd done a placement year at university where I'd spent some time at some businesses um, so I had some good connections so I was lucky enough to kind of just go straight into the kind of freelance world um, not because that was my biggest desire but I it was kind of born from indecision really and I also liked the freedom of kind of working for myself and not having to commit to an office and whatnot so I kind of did that like for a couple of years not going all in but still just doing it to get by and then I actually took the plunge to become a teacher I can't really remember what the motivation behind that kind of came from obviously it's something I was interested in my business teacher at college was a very inspirational person to me so maybe that's where it came from so I decided to give it a go whilst still maintaining my business on the side uh, and I taught business studies at a couple of years um, at college. So, but I always found myself a bit of an imposter, you know, I was like, I'm teaching these kids how to run a business, but I also felt like I'd never really done it properly. And I felt like I needed more life experiences to be able to teach to my full potential, you know, like I was teaching them a lot of theory, but I didn't have much from my own experience to back it up which I think is quite important in the teaching world uh, if, if you can do that. So I kind of, after a couple of years, I was kind of feeling a bit lost and I just thought I need to change something. I think I need to go back to running my own business full time and maybe revisit teaching down the line because uh, I did really love teaching. So I kind of did. Three months after leaving teaching, lockdown happened. COVID came out of nowhere. It was kind of crazy because... It was the perfect decision, but I did yeah. not know COVID was coming by any means. Um, uh, and then COVID happened. I just dedicated all my time to my business because that's all I had to do. Working in digital marketing, I was very lucky. One of the only industries that um, saw benefit during COVID. So things yeah. just took off. And then 
I was feeling very trapped in my hometown, not enjoying living there, um, wanting some change. Traveling is not something that I was like dying to do, but I just knew I needed to get away and change my surroundings. So I just kind of looked into it. I realized somehow I'd built a business that could like suffice a lifestyle whilst traveling the world. And even now, from that point, I was like, this can't be a way to live. There must be a catch. I can't just now go around the world and work on my laptop forever. I can't do that. That would be too good to be true, but I will give it a go anyway. So I just booked a one-way ticket to Iceland. Um, the reason for that is it's one of the only countries we were allowed to travel to at that point in lockdown. And I had no idea if I was going to enjoy traveling, to be honest. It was 50-50. I was like, I might hate it. It might be good. And I just loved it from the, the second I left. And I'd not done much traveling in my life. And yeah, I was just working from hostels day to day. I even took my sister with me initially. She was working with nice. me. So we were kind of both being digital nomads for a while. And I've just never looked back. That was a bit of a long-winded way to kind of explain, <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of show how like it, it's, you don't have to be figuring it out for years and years to become a digital nomad. It's yeah. not possible to achieve, you know, I kind of just fell in. I didn't even know what a digital nomad was. I remember someone in a hostel coming up to me and be like, so what do you do? Cause you're on your laptop every day. And I'm like, oh, I just do a bit of marketing online. And they were like, oh, it's like a digital nomad. And I was like, uh, I guess. And that was kind of it, you know, <laughs> I was like, maybe, maybe that's what I'm doing. And I just kind of made my way into it. And That's great. So you mentioned before a guest lockdown, uh, you'd never really done that much traveling. Lockdown hits, your head to Iceland. And then you said you sort of just fell in love with travel. What were the initial things that you fell in love with? Just the, the freedom and the ability to change my surroundings, to have a positive influence on myself. And for anyone who hasn't been to Iceland that has the opportunity to go, let me just say, definitely do it. To this day, that place really blew my mind. I think it was, even though the weather was terrible, it was the middle of winter, it was, <laughs> it was freezing. And I'm speaking from the north of England right now, still saying that it was much colder than this. But it, I, I just remember pulling up to my hostel and I, there was just the biggest, most beautiful mountain landscape just right in front of me across the street. And I just, from a small town in England where we don't have much going on, it just really took me back. And then remember seeing Northern Lights for the first time. And I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this, it's quite embarrassing, but I just started crying and I can't, I can't. I get that. And I really wasn't that kind of person to just randomly start crying. But the no, when I saw the Northern Lights for the first time, it was kind of like for the first time in a long time, I knew what I was doing was what I should be doing. You know, I was like, I'm doing this. And then I just work in the hostel, which never felt like work because I was just meeting people all day, networking making new mm. friends, experiencing new... Every day felt like a holiday for a long time, you know? And I, I just continued to be like, this can't be real. Like, we shouldn't be allowed to do this because it's <laughs> so enjoyable. There must be a catch, you know? Um, but yeah, the, I think the takeaway from that is that it really is possible um, and it can really be a satisfying lifestyle to do. And it's not that unachievable, really. Um, what some people may have you believe 
um it's actually quite doable um yeah and yeah it's great it's very life-changing as well I feel definitely I would totally agree with that so just before COVID you started working on the digital marketing side of things and then obviously COVID hit and then you went to ice it sounds like it all sort of weirdly happened at the right time for you because my next question was going to be like how did you navigate the change in lifestyle but it sort of sounds like it changed at a slow pace so you could sort of you were working at home already and then you decided to go to Iceland and then it sort of all went from there. Was there anything that jumped out at you that was a surprise in, in the change of lifestyle or did it all seem quite seamless? I think I actually made notes on this question beforehand. Just nice. And I was like, my answer's quite, I only wrote a couple of bullet points so I could remember, but my answer was quite funny in that I felt like I almost didn't have to navigate the lifestyle. It just like you mm. say, I was very lucky. It just kind of felt right, fell into place, you know. Um, I already had been working remotely from home for the yeah. past year. I was very used to that. I was very used to being alone as well, like in that's in, in a good way, you know. So then yeah. I was lucky enough to take my sister with me initially and we're working together. Um it just felt so normal. Every day we would come downstairs, work in the hostel. Then we would spend our free time exploring. It, it just felt right. I felt very happy in that sense. But it's funny in the answer that I wrote, I was like, I feel like now, two years in, I'm finding it more difficult to navigate the lifestyle than I did at the start. Like my first year of being a digital nomad was the easiest thing in the world. And probably the best year of my life because business had just gone so well because of COVID and whatnot. And I had the same clients for years. It was very consistent, smooth running work. Yeah. Some people are probably listening to this absolutely hating me right now because <laughs> that was not the experience for a lot of people. But I, I find myself very lucky in that. And then I traveled. I kind of, there was no countries I were like, I am dying to go there. Iceland, I knew nothing about until I realized it was one of the only places we could go. Then I did my research. I was like, it looks great. I went there. The only drawback is it is a very expensive country. Yeah. Um, so I also had a lot of money saved up from lockdown just as like emergency because I thought business is volatile, you know, things could always change. But living in Iceland for a month, people are always like, that's crazy to live there for a month, you know, and... And I was in like an eight-person dorm for that month, but it was still cost a lot of money. So I kind of spent a lot of my savings in that first month. And then my next step was just Googling where's cheap in Europe. Like I, I was great. <laughs> I still am this to this day. I'm trying to change this actually, but I am very much wake up, decide on that day where I'm going next. Oh. I am very, it, to a fault, to a fault sometimes. It, it It's my mum always says it's going to drive her to an early grave the way I live my <laughs> life. But I am actively trying to change this because I've realised that it, it can, it doesn't always help things in the long term. But I still like to keep that flexibility, you know. So yeah, I literally then went to Poland, met people there, ended up travelling with people I met there to a new place. And it was still very much COVID time. So you were kind of directed, depending on where we're struggling with COVID as well. So I never had a plan. I just used to wake up and then take it as it came whilst doing a few hours on my laptop every day. I, I can't really complain. Uh, it's more like I say in the second half of my 
digital nomad journey this last year where I've started to, I don't want to put it in too negative of a light, but it, I think it's because I've I spent a lot of time in Poland, kind of lived there on and off for a year and created some very good relationships, finally got a sense of community, which is one of the struggles of a digital nomad. Like a lot of the relationships are short-lived, which is one of the things yeah. that is a bit of a disadvantage really. Um, and I also lived in Istanbul for a while and started to experience what it's like to have real deep long-term relationships again. Uh, so now the reason why I'm struggling with this balance more is because I've seen that value and I'm kind of mm -hmm. craving that more. Whereas my first year, I just used to leave places after a week or two weeks. I would never feel sad. I was just so excited about the next place. I was making new friends all the time. It was great. But now I'm more, I don't know if it's me getting old. I'm more like, I really want to slow down. I don't want to be in a place less than three months. You know, I need my routine. I miss yeah. friends more and I value my family time more, you know. Um, so it's a very, yeah. very much changes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. Like when I think, so back when I started, like here, there and everywhere, and like, yeah. oh, am I digital nomad? This is so fun, figure it out, blah, 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 blah. And it is great, like when you first start, because you're just like, it's this whole new world and it is exciting. And it mm. is it's a great life, lifestyle. I was definitely like happy, go lucky, figure it out, see what happens, touch mm. wood, hope for the best. But now, like as I, and probably if, to be honest, for the last year, year and a half, I think I got over that like excitement quite quickly <laughs> and realized quite quickly that I needed routine. I mm. didn't like jumping around um, as frequently as I did. It knackered me, it tied me out. I wasn't really fully like present where I was because I was worried about sorting something out to the next place and like now I'm very much like okay so the least amount of time I'll stay somewhere will be a month and ideally I just stay in one place and then go to somewhere on the weekend or have that sort of approach because again maybe it's because getting older and I think it's also you find what works for you like I really need a routine I need I need that space where I can work but it's interesting when I was in South America at the beginning of the year. I've always done solo traveling, always love it. But my friend, he came out to visit me for like three weeks. And after he left, I was like, oh, it's quite mm. nice. Like, mm. hang out with someone for like yeah. a decent amount of time. And yeah, it was interesting. I think as time goes on, like through your digital no nomad journey, it becomes clear of what, what you want. And you're no longer sort of wearing rose tinted glasses to it. It's an interesting one. No, yeah, I definitely agree. And I think the consensus, I mean, even though like it's still, it's not a new lifestyle, but I think it's relatively new compared to like the more traditional lifestyles. But I still already find a bit of a consensus. If you talk to anyone who's been doing it more than a year or so, they've all come to a similar conclusion of like, <laughs> you, can, you should not be going places less than three months is what I seem to. And yet I keep doing it and I keep thinking to myself, why am I not enjoying this as much as I kind of used to? Don't get me wrong. I still enjoy it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I just keep kind of learning that lesson over and over again, which I'm hoping to really change next year, going to Asia and really slow things down. 
because yeah, like you say, it's exhausting and humans need routine and you can't be just living in hostels in a 12 person dorm, moving countries every other week. It's just, it's too much, you know, and trying to balance a business on the side of that. I mean, if you're just traveling freely, you've got the money to do that, you don't need to work, then yeah, that's probably doable. But to do a business as well, it's really not practical for me anyway. Maybe for some superhumans yeah. out there, they can do it. <laughs> and I don't it's... even know if it's we're getting older. Maybe we're just maturing as digital nomads, you know. And from experience, yeah. we've realized the optimum way to do it is this what we're transitioning towards. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, I'm not, I'm a bit of a fraud. Like I've been in Poland the last year on and off. Am I really a digital nomad? I've stayed in this place so long. Am I just um, an immigrant in Poland? You know, I'm a, a bit of an imposter syndrome, but I think it's an ambiguous term and you can interpret it differently. And even if you stay somewhere for a year, I think that's great. You know, you really learn about a place understand its culture more and I think that's beautiful and something I've also learned that ties into this I'm a bit of a weird traveler in some sense that I don't go to a place and I want to go to all these tourist attractions and stuff like that because I, I do I get very exhausted when I was first in Iceland I was spending every evening going to watch something every weekend going on a new hike and I just remember waking up in my hostel bed and I was like in agony and I was like, why am I in so much pain? And my sister were like, because we've just not stopped. Do we just work all day. Then we go traveling all night, yeah. all weekend. We have no downtime. And I really thought, yeah, it's just not sustainable. So now I, the first week or so in a country, a new place, I just, I just live like a normal person, you know? And I love that. That's the thing. I think that's definitely one of the benefits of approaching it slowly is you you can almost do the normal thing you don't always feel like you have to fill all your free time with the touristy things or like now oh well so and so said i need to do this it's like oh actually i just want to sit on the sofa and just like watch mm. shit tv for like seven hours like it allows you to have that like sense of normalcy a bit where you're not like on holiday if that makes sense because yeah. i think we're when I first started, I was very much like, oh my God, I have no time. Like, even though I had all the time in the world, oh my God, I have no time. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to go into this country. Even though no one was pressuring me to do anything, it was all just me. And yeah, you feel like you have to fill up all that time because normally, like when I used to work in an agency, I could only really get like two weeks off and you oh. would jam pack that. And that was like a holiday, but in you wouldn't be working at the same time. So it took me a while to like find that balance of, oh yeah, I am in a country and yeah, I do want to see these things. But also I am working. It's like you almost forget that you you are working as yeah. well. And it takes time to find that balance and what, what works for you. Definitely. And I think, yeah, like you explained that, it's very much an internal pressure, but also a bit of a yeah. dietal pressure of this isn't, how life's supposed to be lived and yeah. it, he reminded me of a friend actually he still says this and he doesn't mean any harm by it but every time we talk and I might have said something like I'm feeling a bit stressed about this or whatever he's always like oh you're on holiday man just enjoy it I've not been on holiday for the past two years that's not how this yeah. works and you yeah. can I think 
my, I always find myself, um, especially if I'm only somewhere for like less than a month. And I just think, I just want to lie in bed and watch Netflix tonight. And you feel a bit guilty, like, guilty. I've got this opportunity to be in a new country and, and explore these things. Some people that would kill for that. And I'm just sat in bed watching Squid Games, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. you really need that. So, and I've started to value, like, that more because then you can enjoy the other bits more. Whereas I found myself in the early stages doing things I didn't enjoy just because other people told me that's what I should be doing. Like going to see certain sites because I have to whilst I'm there and just going and being so tired after work and not really enjoying that. And it, yeah, you've really got to kind of decide, no, I'm going to do what's best for me and kind of sculpt a life around that and not let other people's influences tell you that this is not what you should be doing there's no right way to do it really no they really do whatever's best for you i've spoken to quite a few people about it and it does seem like everybody sort of has the same approach at the beginning it's like oh my god oh my god i'm so lucky to do this oh. yeah. and then yeah you get to a point where you're like oh actually still lucky still love it it's great but you get to the point where you're like i need to make this sustainable and to make it sustainable yeah. it's taking things slower yeah. you know giving yourself it's an interesting one i think loads of people always working on or they're always like changing their approach i'm always changing up how i do it and depending on my clients or what i'm working on or whatever i'll mix it up there's no right or wrong at all no you just take it out as you feel i mean if you work in an office nine till five every day you don't then once you finish work go and party all night or go and yeah. do loads of crazy stuff because you're like right i'm not working now i need to live life to the fullest every hour of yeah. the day but as soon as we're in a new country we feel like we have to do that if this is really going to be a long-term lifestyle you've got to treat it as such and there's some things from the older traditional lifestyles that exist because that works as humans you know it's what we used to and we crave that kind of routine and you need your downtime. You need your Netflix yeah. in bed or an, a good book, you know. You need to recharge. And what would you say your best travel experience is so far? This is a tricky one for me. But again, I made a couple of notes on this um, just to make sure. But I think Iceland just always holds such a special place in my heart because it was kind of an awakening for me. I always call him my first travel friend. And we're still very much good friends now. And I remember I went to a music festival in Iceland, which was very weird. The first, the opening act was in a shop, a clothes shop. So it was very small and intimate. And I went there and I was kind of like not really knowing what was going on. And this, this Italian guy approached me, a really friendly guy. We got chatting and turns out we were staying in the same hostel. And uh, yeah, he then ended up, we spent every day together for the next month or so. We went um, on a road trip around Iceland, me, him and my sister, because it was his fourth time there. He had a tattoo of Iceland on his leg. He was very much, oh, wow. he, he was Big a professional fan. photographer and it's his favourite country in the world. So he showed us like some of the most beautiful oh, nice. spots. And I was just like, is this what life can be like? You know, <clears> I <just throat> met this guy and then the next day I'm having one of, the best experiences of my life with this guy 
and we've stayed in touch two years since. We've only managed to meet up once since. That was actually this year in Portugal. We reconnected, which again was great. But yeah, but I think to boil it down to more of a core experience is just the people you meet are always, always the most significant experiences. And the only other one I would probably mention is like, I've spent a lot of time in Turkey the past couple of years, have, have, have a lot of good relationships with people from there and being able to experience that country through the experience of Turkish people has been like, yeah. it gave me a level that I could never see as a tourist, you know, like being with Turkish families, eating the home cooking, seeing spots that on, on your travel blogs because people don't know about it. So them two things really for me, like meeting people, and then them showing you something you would have never found alone and mm. you sharing that experience with them and always having that memory together. And every time you then talk to each other, you're like, remember that time in Iceland or remember that time in Turkey? I think that's just by far the most significant kind of thing to take away from my travel experiences. I don't love a place because of that place alone. I think it's the people I meet and the experiences I have with them always yeah. is what I remember the most vividly, I guess. So I guess that's the best for me. And what would you say the biggest thing you've learned about yourself since traveling is? That's a tricky one. Cause I would say like, like I discussed earlier, like it's really changed for me, but I think if I were to put that down to a lesson is that, so the first year I was just like, I am just, I can be alone. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I was kind of like, I don't need anyone. I'm so happy alone. I could go weeks without really talking to anyone. And I did that. Obviously, apart from talking to like shopkeepers, the odd small talk in the hostel, but I was very happy in my own company doing my own thing. And I thought maybe I'm just happy myself, you know, but then it re really took a shift once I lived in Istanbul. It was the first place I was very sad to leave because I had to because of like, I ran out of free visa days or whatever. Uh, and it was the first place I was really upset about leaving. And then I went to Poland where I then decided to stay for a year. So I grew two very strong connections to countries. And then I realized, no, I don't think I am that person. I just didn't really have relationships that I missed that much. Obviously, I always have my mm. family that time me to England, but I always say if my family didn't live in England, I would not probably ever go to that place, to be honest. Uh, which is sad to say, but at the same time, I just don't connect with it so well. Um, maybe it's the weather, yeah. but I don't know. I find I'm much more content in other places. So the biggest yeah. learning curve for yeah. me is not that I didn't value relationships as much, is that I was kind of just missing the right relationships. And now I really value that. And I will always go back to Istanbul to see friends. I will always go back to Krakow to see friends. And I just think that's so important too, because very recently I've been a bit like lost in, especially what I'm turning 30 next year. And one of the worries is like, you don't always feel like you have that home as a digital yeah. mind. I think that can creep in sometimes. Whereas you're seeing your friends having babies, getting married, buying houses in your hometown. And you're like, should I be doing that? I'm scared yeah. in a few years once I might be tired of traveling, I'm going to have nowhere to go back to. So to know that you have these places in the world where no, you've got long-term friends for life, I think is invaluable and something I will always appreciate and nurture 
So yeah, that's probably the biggest learning curve for me. Something I'm very much still mid-lessening. Um, this next year is going to be a big one for me, I think, in Asia. And yeah, I can't wait really. Because I think next year is going to be my best year, I would expect. Because I feel like I'm now taking all the lessons of the last two years. Uh, a lot yeah. of mistakes, a lot of up and downs. And yeah. now I'm kind of, re this podcast is at a really nice time, actually, because it's almost like we're reflecting on the year. Yeah, that is true. And 2024 is a good way to put things into action, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe it's quite symbolic in that sense. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to chat this time next year again and see, yeah, see, see what's we've been got happening. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. I, mean, we've good all things. I think they're really great learnings. With me, I don't feel drawn. I've not felt drawn to the UK for many a year and I feel more at home, definitely sort of Southeast Asia, this side of the world. My brother lives here. I love it. It's the best. Like I, I just feel a lot more at home here. So I definitely, I get that. And, but I think as well, like, I, cause I'm 28. So I'm getting to that age where like my best friend, she's getting married next year. Everybody's buying homes where the best friend had a baby, like, which is amazing. But it just, it, it sort of makes you reflect and it makes you think, mm. oh, actually, oh, maybe that's sort of like tickling my fancy a little bit. Oh, I've mm. never thought about that. It's like, it's an interesting, even if you're not a digital nomad, I think, yeah, it's an interesting time in anyone's mm. life where you're on a slightly different path to your close friends. Yeah, you know, you're very much right. And like, I like to think now that I have three homes in the world, in mm. my family's home in England, Istanbul, where I have friends, and then Krakow in Poland. But you also have these floating kind of homes, like, and you do meet digital nomads along the way. Like, for example, my Italian friend I talked about earlier, even though we've only met up once, for one reason, he's a hard guy to tie down, he's very busy. <laughs> but if I was ever to be like, look, I'm coming to Italy right now to see you, he would welcome me with open arms, you know? Yeah. And it's, I think it's because when you did, he's not a digital nomad, but he kind of, like, he travels a lot and works on the road. Um, so he's kind of the same sort of deal. And once you meet someone in the same boat, yeah, you kind of have that bond straight away. And I, I went to Ireland this year and the people I went to visit there are people I'd just met on my travels. Um, and then I kind of just went and stayed at their places, which is kind of, if I told that to someone from my hometown who's never really traveled, they'd think it's a bit kind of like crazy how I was staying with this Tunisian girl who I met in Poland, who now lives in Dublin. I just crashed on her sofa <laughs> and we reconnected for a while. They'd be like, that just sounds a bit wild to me because um, like the area of England I'm from is not the most multicultural stuff like that. If I had not never left my hometown, I would have never met people from some of the countries I've yeah. had the pleasure of meeting. Um, and that, I think that's why I'm so excited for Asia, Southeast Asia too, because I feel like in Europe, I think I meet more short-term travelers than anything, you know, especially in the hostels. Um, I don't meet that many digital nomads, um, which is kind of, I think I'm missing that from my life because I will be mm. sat working and I'll meet someone, we'll have a nice bond and then they're gone tomorrow, you know? Um, whereas Southeast Asia, I know there's a lot of people doing what you're doing, what I'm doing. And I really want to, yeah, just get involved in that and kind of 
see that side of it and make some new connections there. And yeah, I think I will be, be like you. I'm going to really love it there and I'm excited for that. So yeah, it's a, it's a hard place to leave. That's for sure. Mm. When I was, I did nine months traveling around Southeast Asia last year and like everybody you, you meet there, I'm like, oh yeah, I was only supposed to be here for a month. And it's like six years later, I'm still here. Wow. Like it's just such a welcoming, everybody's just love, like we'll do anything to help you. Like it's beautiful side of the world. Um, mm. it's brilliant. You're going to have a great time. I can't wait. So we've covered your positive experiences, but like we said in the intro, you shall cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of being mm. digital nomad. What would you say is one of your worst traveling experiences so far or something that sort of happened at? I wouldn't even, and I want to be really transparent. Like there is a lot of bad time. There's been a lot of bad times in my journey, like. I've had some really low moments over the years being a digital nomad. People see it and just think always living the, people always say you're living the dream. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I do believe that. I do think I'm very lucky to be able to do this, but they don't see the side when you like, might be feeling very lonely or business is not going so well. You're yeah. sharing a dorm with 20 people and no one will stop snoring. You've not slept in oh, days. Um, but to talk about a specific experience, and um, I'd like to touch on this because I'm going to make a video on this actually, um, because I like to take these negative experiences and just laugh about them, you know, because that's the only thing. If, if I didn't laugh, maybe I would cry, you know, it's one of them. <laughs> but I've just had a recent trip that today has been by far my worst trip. And it's because right now I'm kind of tied to England because I'm getting like travel jabs for Asia and with the NHS waiting time. So I kind of can't really go anywhere for much longer than a week or two right now. But I was still craving to travel. So like, even though I know I don't enjoy these short trips, I'm going to go on one anyway, you yeah. know? Um, so right recently I went to Marrakesh um, and just from start to finish, it was just, I was having a bit of a disaster you know i i'd just been living with my family at home for a month i was feeling a bit trapped and stressed out i'd just left poland i was missing there i knew i couldn't go to asia till january i wasn't in the best headspace but i knew i was in a transitional period so i was like i'll go traveling it'll take my mind off it because i still have yeah. this kind of toxic belief from my first year that no matter what I'm feeling, if I go traveling, I'll be happy because that, that used to be the case, you know, but yeah. I really went to Marrakesh with a rat wrong. I was not in a good mood and I got there and I'm a, I'm a small town boy at heart. You know, I'm from a, my town in England has 17,000 people. I spent 26 of my years of my life there. So at heart, that is what I'm used to. And I got to Marrakesh. I was living in the middle of the Medina and in a hostel and it was just very intense for me i arrived at night and i was just it was just a bit too much and i was feeling lonely straight away uh, my hostel didn't have any wi-fi none of the cafes was oh. working and i was just like everything's going wrong and i just yeah. don't know why and then i unfortunately got pickpocketed actually oh, on, the, on the way to my hostel 
it wasn't a lot of money, so it's not the worst thing in the world. And I probably should have been being a bit more aware. Um, but it was just like the final nail in my coffin in the mood I was in. And I was just like, I'm struggling to enjoy myself. I don't have the social battery right now to be like out making friends. I was planning to like go around the desert, make loads of videos, you know, really immerse myself. But I was like, I just feel like I have no energy. And it was yeah. really like, I, do I just not enjoy solo traveling? And I was really like thinking in a detrimental way. Um, and I was kind of like, no way. Alex, chill out. I can be quite dramatic sometimes, as you've probably seen from my videos. I'm like, no, I'm going to just chill out. I was like, maybe Marrakesh is not the place for you right now. It was, don't get me wrong. It was a beautiful place. The people were really nice. The food was great. But I was just kind of like, I'm not feeling adventurous right now. And I just decided, you know what? I've got two weeks till I have to be back in England. I'm going to go see my friends in Istanbul that I've not seen nice. in almost a year. Um, and I love that city. So I, I just decided to call my end to Morocco early and go there. And yeah, I saved my trip, you know, and really enjoy myself. Had that level of comfort because I, I think it's sometimes hard to find comfort and stability whilst you're always on the road. So if you're able yeah. to do that, then yeah, take, take advantage, you know. But yeah, it was not the worst thing that happened to me, Get pickpocketed a little bit of money. You know, it happens. It's, it's not the first time something like that's happened to me. But the way I reacted to it was one of the worst times because I was, I'd just left somewhere I'd lived for a year in Poland, you know. I'd really thrown my life up in the air to step into the unknown in Asia, you know. I left a, contra a corporate contract that was paying good money because I wasn't enjoying it. I took a lot of leaps of faith and then... Uh, once I started traveling, it didn't go to plan. And I was like, oh my God, I've made a huge mistake, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that can happen, you know, and you just need yeah. to realize that's life. That is how it goes sometimes. Oh my God, Jen. And that's what I want to show. Like, there's enough influencers and content creators out there showing how great it is. But I really want to show how crap it can be sometimes as well, because I think that's part of the beauty of it. Because I've been talk, catching up with friends this week, telling them about how disastrous this journey was. Uh, and we just had a good laugh about it. And they're just like, that could only happen to you, you know, and mm -hmm. that's, been, that's part of the beauty of it. If it was perfect every day, it would probably get boring eventually, you know? I think it's like, these things have to happen. It keeps it interesting. It keeps you on your tone. And it's, it's all just a learning. Like, mm. you'll know... You know, you, you'd have learned things from that. Like for me, I, there were times where I would, I don't know, arrive in countries late, like into the night and every time I'd do it, like, why am I, why do I do this to myself? Because it's like the stress of finding a sim or like trying to get a cab and like all of this. And it, you really just learn by doing when you're a digital yeah. nomad and you yeah. find out what works and what doesn't work. But I, like you said, I think it's, it's a great lifestyle, but it's not always, it's not always great, but it's how you react to it when it has sort of gone a bit titched up and you're a bit like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. I'm sort of, 
I think something that always helps me is like, oh, screw it. You'll figure it out. Like you've also, you've got to have faith in the journey as well. And like mm. it yourself when those things do happen, you're just like, oh, my gosh. it's like, it'll be, it'll be better for it. It'll be better for it. Yeah. And like you say, it's your reaction that de- defines your experience. And yeah, you, you actually reminded me, I always speak so well of Istanbul and I've spent maybe five months there in the last two years or something crazy like that. I obviously just been there last week and I always go back to the same neighborhood, the same hostel. And I just, I've lived in that hostel. I lived in that hostel for three months straight at one point and I would not change it for the world. But there was a brief moment where I left that. I first arrived there in that hostel, spent a week there. It was good. But my plan was to live in every corner of Istanbul to really experience it. And I moved to the, to the European side and spent a few days in a hostel. And I had the worst few days mm. of my life. You know, it was, it was, it had the best ratings ever this hostel, which is another side note. And it was by far the worst hostel I've ever stayed in. So that's just a side note for anyone believing the reviews on Hostel World or not. Take it with a pinch of salt. Because I think it had yeah. a 9.6 and it was, un- I've lived in some bad places, but this was like, I had to leave. I just left because I was, it was the first time actually in my journey where I was like, I miss home. I miss England because I was having such a bad time there. But instead of going back to England and giving up, I just thought, wait, I enjoyed that last hostel. So I went back there, even though it was somewhere I'd already explored. And then I just stayed there for three months and that's the place I always go back to now. And I just think you need to find that familiarity in, 100%. in, the, in the range, you know. You I completely agree. Yeah, you can't just have new all the time. It, no. Like you're going to have a lot of bad experiences. And it'll get yeah. Because that's the thing, it's exhausting. It's like when you when you are constantly on the go and it is all constantly new, it's tiring because you're taking it in new surroundings, you're meeting new people or it gets tiring quite quickly. Mm. Whereas like being comfortable and again, this is what I've learned through the last two years is to me now being comfortable and being in a familiar place is a lot more important and higher up my list than it it was when I started. Like when I was in um, Buenos Aires, I ended up being in Argentina for three months. And just like you, I kept going back to the same hostel because the people were great. I knew how it worked. I was, I may have been in a dorm of eight, but like I knew how it worked and I knew the area, I knew how to get around. And it just, especially when you are working, knowing those little things massively helps because when you do land in a new place, it's like, oh, well, they have a metro, but how do I get a metro card? Like, and you, it takes up a lot of time figuring yeah. out those things. So, yeah, I'm a big believer of. The comfortability and familiar, familiarity is really important. But I've, I've spoken to quite a few digital nomads who, you know, say the same. It's an important thing, I think. Definitely. Being comfortable. <laughs> and it almost sounds contradictory, but I think a lot of the time you've got to see travel as the secondary, you know. Um, not because you you want it to be that way. I think most digital nomads, there's a reason we do this, is because we love travel. But if you want to think long-term, then you need that work to subsidize the travel. So that always has to really take priority. And 
Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, actually, something that I've always found as well. If you're constantly thinking about where you're going next or what you need to do, the next hostel you need to book or the next visa you need to get, then that's quickly taking up a big chunk of your brain. And sometimes I feel like I've not got much space in there for yeah. the work side of things. And then your work will take a hit. And the next thing you know, you might work's not going as well. Then that's affecting your mood, which will then affect your travel. Like I said earlier, my mood yeah. really tarnished my experience of Morocco, which I know is nothing to do with Morocco. It was my mentality going into it yeah and if you're not looking after that mental health which is something i'm this is something i probably want to explore more in my youtube videos too down the line is like the mental health side of it is so important and so kind of difficult to navigate really because it's so new and yeah yeah it's already such a difficult topic to navigate but when you live in this atypical lifestyle where we're like talking this podcast now and we're like think we might know how to make it better but we're still very much we think we're about to experiment we're talking to other digital nomads and no one has it all figured out you know and you'd be surprised at how many people are like yeah i stopped being a digital nomad because of this or like they're, they're not enjoying it or they just end up living somewhere for five years which is it really a digital nomad anymore um so it's kind of, yeah, like everyone's still figuring it out and that's okay. But I think it's so important you are putting your health first, you know, then you work second and then travel is just a luxury on the side, you know, which, yeah, yeah I think for me, that is how I'm going to move into the next year. Um, because, yeah, I've, I've put travel at the top a lot of times and it doesn't really work out. Um it can be difficult and you just don't end up enjoying it as much. And even though we're talking about it now, like it's the best for the work to slow down, stay awareness. It's almost like we're saying that's how that's penalizing the travel side. But I've realized staying in one city for three months, if you enjoy that city is a way better experience than spending a weekend in that city because you will find the best spots. Hundred, you will yeah. find the nicest people. You will see the hidden areas. You will learn about a city in ways that you would never do in a short trip. And I think that's really beautiful. And when you will fall in love with a city, I meet so many people who were like, I don't like Istanbul. It's not for me. And then I asked them, where did they go? And then they'd spent like a week in some certain area that I know is not enjoyable for anyone. Turkish people are like, why would you ever go there? And I'm like, you need to just, give it another chance, go to this area, you know, and I had to learn that the hard way, but you don't have that opportunity unless you spend like three months in a place is really a kind of magic number in my head. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, I don't enjoy these short trips anymore. And it's not because it affects my work. Don't get me wrong. I just, I don't like the stress of trying to fit everything in this small time, you know? And catching two flights in one week, I'm just like, I don't want to be in the yeah. airport twice in one week. You know, it's a horrible place. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, it's a perfect symphony of, you know, this is how you should live if you want to work better, but it's also how you should live if you really want to enjoy a country. So 
Maybe it's more simple than we're making out, you know. It's, yeah, I know. it's right there. It's not actually that complicated. Yeah, oh, we've just solved the entire got the answer. Well, well done, well done. <laughs> we got there in the end, you know. Yeah, perfect. You mentioned there um, your YouTube channel and you know, maybe exploring like the mental health side of things when it comes to being a digital nomad. So what was it about YouTube that caught your attention? Why did you start your own channel? It's funny, actually, because I've just moved in with a friend now temporarily who I went to university with. We lived with for a few years and we used to sit and watch YouTube and Twitch, a lot of streams and stuff when we we're at university, when we probably should have been working or at lectures. And we used to always just turn to each other, especially him, and be like, oh, we have to become YouTubers, man. Obviously, we weren't being serious, but you're like, it's one of them careers you look up to. And you just think, it just looks so much fun. And also yeah. naively, you look at it, it's like, it's so easy. You just make a video and you make lots of money. Uh, and so I've always had that in the back of my head and like over the years, but it always felt a, not a realistic dream. And over the past few years during lockdown, I, I even tried Twitch streaming for a little while just because I had all this free time. It, it didn't go well at all um, on a side note. Um, and yeah, but then COVID really changed things. I think these industries just blew up and they were already blowing up as it was. And then it just felt like it stopped becoming a pipe dream for the looker and it started becoming anyone can do this if they're willing to put in the effort. And I was traveling around doing social media management, copywriting and stuff. And don't get me wrong with the social media management. I don't really do that anymore. Because I realized I was only doing it to subsidize traveling. I wasn't really enjoying it. Copywriting, I have a strong passion for writing and stuff like that. But I feel like I'm not really fulfilling my full kind of potential sometimes. Like one part I really enjoyed about teaching was kind of talking to people, explaining something, having, and just, yeah, just talking and kind of having that two-way engagement. And I think YouTube just feels like a way I can achieve everything I want. To put it kind of bluntly in that I'm, I'm able to help teach people about something I might know about that they might not. I also really enjoy making people laugh is a big thing for me, which I think ties into mental health. I know it can be a huge form of escapism for people is entertainment on YouTube and also just documenting my journey. And I think it, if I'm able to make it work, don't get me wrong, I'm very new to it. And it's not like things, I'm still very much figuring it out, but it just seems like if I can make this work, I will be very content in my life moving forward. And I just, I find a lot of people always have this dream of like maybe becoming a footballer or maybe doing this or this. And they're just so dismissive and they're like, but no one can ever do that. No one can ever become a YouTuber full time. It's impossible, you know? And I'm just like, do I want to really be sat when I'm 60, 70 years old, 80 years old or whatever, thinking, why did I never try, you know? And yeah. copywriting, even though I do enjoy it and I, I feel like it's something I've got a lot of experience in and a natural ability, but it's the safe option for me right now. You know, I'm still doing it whilst I throw myself into YouTube, but don't get me wrong. Like if YouTube ever took off 
touch wood, hopefully it does. I would throw myself into that in a heartbeat. I would rather try it for a few years and fail than in 10 years regret ever trying, you know? So that's where I'm at right now. Like I say, I'm very new to it, but I'm enjoying it a lot, teaching myself how to video edit, experimenting with new things, trying to find my niche, you know? it's I'm loving it. And I think for me, the biggest luxury in life is enjoying what you do for work. And that's, I've just left a corporate contract that some people would say I'm stupid for leaving, you know, but I, I hate, I hated every second of it. It was like, I would rather have a quarter of the income and just get by living in hostels, but wake up every day excited to crack on with my job than earn good money and just dread Monday morning, you know? I just, for me, it's as simple as that. And I think right now YouTube really feels like that could be my way of achieving it. So yeah, fingers crossed it goes well, but we're, we're going to try and find out, you know, have some laughs along Definitely. the way. Definitely. I think it's like, like, it's interesting because that's sort of the reason why I started the podcast. It was, I love chatting, like I'm really... Yeah passionate about the digital nomad lives and travel so it sort of made sense to me as well and also it was just the idea of challenging myself and like and running with it and just seeing what happens and it being a passion project not really like not really having any expectations because as I've gotten older it's like you know work becomes priority or whatever else becomes priority but you well for me anyway it was like for the last few years I've not really been doing anything I've always been creative but I've not really last few years I've been creating for other people or I've not been doing anything just because I wanted to do it really it's always been like oh well you know so so need things or whatever so I was really at that point where I wanted to do something for myself and it wasn't to make millions of pounds or anything like that it was just because I wanted a challenge and I needed something to really get into. And again, yeah, just like you, it's a whole, it's a learning thing. Because mm. I think when you have had like the same job for years or, you know, you're very comfortable with your position in life, you sort of stop learning. So, and yeah. like, I, I have sort of missed that, so, which is another good thing with the lifestyle of being a digital nomad. You're constantly learning. You're constantly in new situations where you're like, well, I've like, and how do I never keep this yeah. thing? And I think that's what I really, really enjoy as well. I remember my point of that. <laughs> but no, I, okay. basically, rounding it up, I think it's great what you're doing. And I'm excited to speak about it. Yeah. I think you're very right. And you made two very good points. That Well, the latter was like, to learn a new skill stimulates your brain way more than if I were just to carry on copywriting, you know. Yeah. Um, and the digital nomad life as well is a great way to stimulate your brain, which is so important. Um, and also you talked about earlier that really resonated with me. I, I mentioned how I used to be like a social media manager, which I thought was like the dream job for me. Because like growing up, I used to love social media because it gave me a platform to create content in a very minor way, like just making tweets or pictures, you know. And I really enjoyed that because I, I'm like you, I'm a very creative person. I always have been, but I never found my perfect escape for that. Or mm-hmm. maybe escape's not the right word, but the way to express it that I can then do as maybe full time or whatever. And 
I just found myself hating social media after a few years. Like it's still working with me now, you know, and I realized it's not because I hate social media. It's because I don't enjoy creating content for not every business, but a lot of businesses because it's hard to fabricate that passion. And for me to create, I have to be passionate. And when I'm doing like content for, I don't know, I don't really want to drop any bombs right now. We can imagine. Let's use an example, maybe like a recycling company. I've never worked for a recycling company, so no one's going to ring my phone over this one, but you're doing it about that. (laughs) And well, that's not a good example because I am quite passionate about Because recycling is good. Exactly. You you know where I'm going. Maybe a paper company. Let's go with that. It's hard to muster up that passion, you know, and you n- you're never going to do your best work if you're not passionate. And I really realized that. Whereas when I come to doing my own stuff, like the YouTube journey, your podcast journey is just a testimony to how passionate we are wow. and how motivated we are. Because unle- I, I don't know, I, can't, I don't want to comment on it, but I, I imagine you're not making millions or whatever right now doing a podcast. And because the start of your journey, you don't get paid for these things. YouTube, on average, you've got to wait two years of consistently producing to even start making your first few dollars, you know. And if I was to say to you, come work for my company for two years, I'm not going to pay you until two years. No sane person would agree to that unless they literally was so passionate about the cause, you know. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful and it allows us to be creative. And yeah, I think it's a sad life if you never get to express that part of yourself, even if it doesn't amount to something. But I'm trying to find this magic balance right now where I have the copywriting to subsidize my YouTube. I'm earning enough to live um, and I can dedicate as much time as possible to my passion project in the hope that one day it can sustain itself, you know, and, and if it doesn't, that's all right. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's great that we've been able to find this because not everyone finds it. And, you know, for many years, YouTube was not on my radar, um, because I think I still had that toxic mentality that we're raised with, um, in our generations, obviously us being similar age of that YouTube was seen as if you told your mum and dad you wanted to be a YouTuber when you're a teenager, they'd have probably said you need to get a real job, you know? Now these newer generations, it's becoming much more common practice, you know, like being a YouTuber is realistic nowadays. It's yes, like, a lot it's, more mainstream, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so for us at 28, 29, 30, it's not too late for us to think, right, we want to get in on this. We don't want to be part of the generation that just settled for less because that's what we were told. We want to go out and try and get it, you know, and like we might be talking in five years time and we're at your top podcast on Spotify, you never know. I finally broke a hundred views on a video and yeah, and we're living the dream and we'll think, thank God we tried, you know, and that's what I hope for for both of us. And all you can do is try, you know, you don't want to live in regret. Um, that's the thing, you might as well give it a go. Exactly. You'll exactly. learn you'll learn a lot on the way, for sure. Exactly. It is fun. It keeps it interesting. You mentioned, yeah, with your copywriting and then your YouTube. And then you've obviously got travel as well. How do you approach the work and the travel? Do you have 
like a set approach that you do? Do you make sure you have a routine for every place that you go to? Do you use certain software to help you out? How do you approach that in general? Uh, for any aspiring digital nomads listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> I am not a good example to follow. Um, but I Don't like listen to him. I'm in a very transitional period now. So, but for example, in Poland, I. I've been through many changes of how I approach things. And I would say my best one was in Poland. Um, I finished some contracts. I had like six, seven clients, which might not sound a lot to a lot of people, but as a one-man band traveling, it was a lot yes. to juggle sometimes. And they came to a natural end and I decided, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. So I kind of took on a big corporate contract, which was basically a full-time job. I had like one other client on the side and I've been doing that the most of this year. And it nice. made things so easy. I just used, I signed up to a co-working space, which I'd never done before, like a really nice office where I had my own desk. I had a fancy chair, not a fancy chair, just better than a wooden chair in a coffee <laughs> shop. For the first time in two years, my back was... Had a in, nice chair. Yeah, and my back was so happy about that because don't get yeah, me wrong, the worst thing about di digital nomad is the back problems. Yeah, so, and I just, was, I started working a nine till five, which is like a bit of a dirty term in the digital nomad world, but it was bloody great. Like I would yeah. turn up at nine, I would have my coffee from the free coffee machine, I would work till five, and then I would go home and it was amazing. Um, if it wasn't, it, eventually I got burnt out from the job because again, I was lacking passion for the, for what I was working on. Um, but no, that was the, the kind of magic routine for me, almost going back to the nine till five. Um, don't get me wrong. I still went traveling in between. I was still able to do that job from anywhere and I wasn't forced to work a nine till five. I just chose to do that because because your yeah. friends, the people you'll meet will be doing nine till five. So it allows you to then experience life with them still. Um, and yeah, I was very happy doing that. That's what I am trying to achieve once again now. Because right now, things are not like that. Things are very sporadic. Uh, I have a lot less work right now, kind of by choice. As I'm trying to figure things out, trying to dedicate all of my time to YouTube to just try and get the ball rolling with it. I've been struggling having that routine of YouTube whilst traveling. Um, and then next year, my plan is to go to Malaysia first, probably, and just spend three months there, find that routine again. But yeah, um, I am on Upwork now. That's going to be my plan too. So I'm going to be trying to build on there. Um, but yeah, like right now it's very sporadic. I don't really have much of a schedule, which is not a great way to live. Um, so I'm always trying to achieve that. But yeah, if you're looking, you, the routine is so important. As yeah, much stability agreed. as you can achieve is great, really, um, which is difficult in freelance life. But just just always strive for that. Try and give yourself some set times in the day where you're going to work. Because otherwise you're just never going to switch off, you know, uh, and it's very easy yeah. to overwork yourself as well, which I've done. Um, and yeah. underworking and overworking are both as bad as each other. So do really try and find that routine where possible. Um, it's very important, as I've learned the hard way yeah. many times. 
Definitely. Yeah, I agree. When you work for yourself or you're freelancing and you have different clients and they like drop in and out, when that first started happening for me, I was like, oh shit, like everything sort of went to pop because straight away I sort of really? lost that routine and I didn't really know how to deal with it. And again, when you're traveling and your timings are a bit out, it, it's hard to keep up with it. But like, it's, it's so important. Yeah. Um, well, de- for me, definitely everything goes out the window if I don't have a routine. Um, and even like a mooch, my mooch, like it massively helps as well. Um, it keeps me, keeps me going every day, which is, well, I was just going to say, I guess that's sort of your advice for any budding digital nomads out there. It's a routine is important. Yeah, definitely. And obviously it's, if you freelance and especially like the shift I've made now to go, cause before this period I was very lucky where I found clients in my hometown I got a lot of word of mouth clients things blew up during Mm. COVID so I never really spent any time on freelancing websites Um, and I had a lot of long-term clients that I just kind of knew in person well turned them into remote clients so I never really had that period where you've got to go out seeking a lot of clients which People will know on Upwork and Fiverr, it's a lot of labor intensity up front, which I'm about to learn now in these next few months. So you don't even have the privilege of having a routine because you just have to take any work you can get. Yeah, and that's true. you might true. not have enough work to have a nine till five. And, yeah. and I know I've gone through periods early on in my career where I didn't have the confidence to talk to a client and say, look, these are my work hours. There's no negotiation on that. And you you can't be afraid to have these conversations because otherwise you'll end up like me. And I remember being in a nightclub at at like 11 p.m. on a Friday night and my client is ringing my WhatsApp asking me if I can send an email, a marketing email out. And and I was... You're just like... Yeah, yeah sure. I, was like, I was drunk enough <laughs> to read the message, you know, but not sober enough to be sending out my best copy. So I really <laughs> yeah. had to put my foot down after that, you know, and it's hard to have these conversations, but do not let the work consume you because, and some businesses sadly will take advantage of new freelancers. Yeah. You might not pay you your worth either. That's very important. And just make sure you are prioritizing your routine because at the end of the day, you're not going to do a good quality of work if you don't have that in place, which any digital nomad will tell you. If you're just winging it for a year, your business is going to take a hit. Things are not going to go well. The results are not going to look good. And then it's going to come back to bite you. You might lose a client. If you don't have that routine, it can easily happen, you know, so do prioritize that. I know digital nomads, I was very much a person who's like, ah, F the nine till five, you know, I don't want, I'm not tied to these rules. <laughs> I'm my own person. And then look at me now. I'm craving that nine till five sometimes, you know, yeah. and then um, because it, it does work and maybe it's not a nine till five to you. Maybe it's a, I don't know, six till 12 in the evening, whatever works for you, but it's always good to have these blocks because you, yeah. we're, as humans with simple things, you know, you're like, you crave that kind of knowing when to switch off, when to switch on. Um, 
and when it's time to enjoy your travel and when it's time to just crack on with some work, you know. So try and find that. Again, it all comes back to stability and familiarity, you know. Um, Try and find that in the madness because it's easy to get lost sometimes and it's not a sustainable strategy as we both know so well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I think that's a really good piece of advice, like having your boundaries and being confident enough to tell people and your clients about those boundaries. Because, yeah, like part of the point of travel and work is to enjoy it and explore. But if you're always in like business brain or like, oh, yeah, it's like 11 p.m. here, but yeah, of course I'll jump on this call. It's like, oh, like I think it just comes with time and learning and like, what works for you because I definitely at the beginning I thought oh god I just need any clients because yeah. I was starting out I was like I'll take anything I'll, I'll do anything not the best approach but I'll do whatever I'll do yeah. whatever time it's totally fine and yeah I think you learn quickly that again it's just not sustainable like we've mentioned but yeah that's definitely a good good piece of advice for sure it'd be great to hear like what what's next for you what what are you currently working on i know you mentioned you're currently in the uk but at the beginning of next year you're going to be heading out to southeast asia yeah so unfortunately i'm kind of yet in a period where i can't do much travel i can go on short trips but i'm just realizing i don't enjoy them as much as they're worth for me as i have like some appointments for like travel jobs i'm really determined to I determined it's going to happen um, to spend Christmas with my family in England. I always say it's the only time I want to be in England is Christmas time. <laughs> I love it. It's a great time to reconnect with family members and friends, you know. So I've decided, yeah, I'll just stay here till January, um, nice. try and survive the cold and the terrible food for a bit longer in the hope that, well, I have the light at the end of the tunnel to finally go to Southeast Asia because it's been on my radar for like, five years you know kind of I'm like I'm gonna go there blah 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 but as we all know it takes a few extra steps it's a bit more of a commitment than say traveling around Europe which is kind of what I've been doing the past couple of years but I finally come to a time where it feels very right and I'm so excited to do that so yeah it keeps changing it was Thailand in January but um now it's Malaysia I'm sure there's a chance it might change (laughs) I I will always have that last minute person in me i have no flights booked i have no accommodation booked i just like to go with the flow a bit um but i will be there why did you change your mind from thailand i really had my heart set on chiang mai because i know that's gonna be a city where i can go relax create a community and because i'm very much in a mindset now where travel is the kind of secondary right now because I need to build up my freelance portfolio again. I really want to get YouTube off the ground. So I really want to just go sit in a city for three months and be productive because I've not had that for a few months now because I've been traveling around a lot. So I'm really craving that routine, which I know I can achieve there. I have friends there already, things like that. But it's burning season. Um, So it doesn't sound great. Um, to go there in January. Um, so I've just been looking around places and Penang in Malaysia is somewhere that jumped out at me. Have, have you been? 
yeah, it's big sort of digital nomad. It's a great yeah. spot to be if you're a digital yeah. nomad. Yeah. And I, my friend's girlfriend here is actually from Penang. So, oh, nice. So I will be talking to her about it as well. She's always recommended it in the past. So that's currently the top of the list right now. So I will go there. Um, and yeah, just really put my efforts into YouTube. I am going to be doing a lot of YouTube this month as well, actually, which is kind of a weird thing I've been finding. How do I do the travel vlogs whilst sat in England, you know? Because it doesn't feel like yeah. I'm traveling. But it's also been a bit of a learning curve for me because I think I'm never going to be the best travel vlogger in the sense of showing people the most beautiful places in the world. I don't think that's ever going to be my selling point just because things we've talked about earlier like i don't go to a place and i'm like right where's the best content that's yeah it feels i'm not saying for them but for me it feels forced and yes. then i have a video where i climb up a mountain my very first video and it just feel some of my friends are just like it doesn't feel like you i have like even a fabricated voice on there like my teacher voice comes back, you know, because I'm like <laughs> trying to be something I'm not. Even yeah. though I do love to hike up mountains and do that, I don't like doing it for the camera because I stop enjoying the hike. Then. Whereas yeah. now I'm like, maybe my strength is going to come about talking about some topics, making fun about the journey and kind of focusing more on the entertainment informational factor I've done experiment and we a couple of videos where i'm talking about i don't know cheaper ways to get all your vaccines sorted or like yeah. just videos of me just yeah more talking trying to find ways to make that more entertaining i'm going to experiment with that hopefully it works we will see but yeah i'm very much deep in a learning curve right now just experimenting with life trying to figure it out you know i'm too not to nice. put anyone off i'm two years deep and i have no idea what i'm doing <laughs> so don't worry if you're at the start of your next two of us exactly like and that's the beauty of it just be flexible keeps it interesting though doesn't exactly. it keeps it interesting and i'm always i think it comes from ambition i'm always trying to make my life better than it was before you know i i don't like being comfortable in a weird way mm -hmm. For too long uh, yes. i wanna i always think there's like better out there so that's where i'm at right now um yeah and i think it's an interesting way to live and whilst we're still somewhat young why not try all these new things and then like we said earlier maybe in a few years we find the perfect situation i don't know i'm in a very experimental time right now we it's a we good it's a good time it's a good I mean, place yeah, to yeah. be here it's quite um and stressful but i'm just keep telling myself you know you've got to go through because even though it's not a hard time like people have much harder times than what i'm going through right now but as a digital nomad who's had such good times when you sat in cold rainy manchester thinking you need to get more work you need to figure out youtube that's not going as good as you'd want it can it can be quite disheartening but you just need to remind yourself like the time in COVID in lockdown, I was working nine hours a day for next to no money, just trying to market myself. And that was terrible. Well, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. But look what it helped me achieve. And 
digital nomad is a lifestyle at the end yep. of the day, like any other career. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, you know. You've got to go through the shit to get to the gold at the end of the tunnel, you know. And I'm just seeing this, this month as that kind of time. And when you take it at that perspective, I feel like then you can start to enjoy it more, you know, because you're like, yeah, right now I might be sat here making YouTube videos and not many people are watching them, but three months down the line, I'm going to be in Southeast Asia making YouTube videos. And in that self, I've already achieved so much as some yeah. people don't have that opportunity. So you really, yeah, you've got to take a step back sometimes and, and appreciate what you do have, what you've already achieved, and just think what you might achieve if you, if you stick at it, you know? Uh, I think it's important. Definitely. And I think as well, it's like, it's so rare in life where you do get a bit of time to sort of like sit back and like figure it out and try, try new things and, you know, try and fail. And it's, uh, yeah, you rarely get time to do what you want and see what happens as well. So it's just sort of taking all the opportunities you kind of run, run it with it and figuring it out. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely an exciting time for sure. Um, so we are on to the last question. Uh, the big question that we end all our episodes with, can you really have it all? Can you have a balance of business and pleasure? Um, from experience, it might <laughs> say to me that you can't, but I truly believe you can. I think because at the end of the day, the kind of happiness is always going to come from within. Like it's not, it's not mm. this magic formula that we've kind of touched on here. There is some elements that are very important, like the routine, taking things slow, not taking on too much, setting boundaries. I think they are very, very important. But at the end of the day, just listening to that kind of inner voice, you know, like, to use the real life example of me in Marrakesh, I kind of heard that voice saying, you're not enjoying yourself right now. And you're kind of forcing yourself to do something that right now you're not, you're not feeling that way. So listen to that inner voice and just do what truly makes you happy. You know, like people might say to you, Thailand is the best place in the world. But if you don't enjoy it there, that's fine. If you rather be, in Malaysia or somewhere like Poland. Like when I tell people I were living in Poland for a year, 90% of the time they were like, why Poland? And that used to really upset me, you know, because I'd be like, am I just weird? Am I just doing it wrong? Am I missing out? But no, I felt at home in that place. And yeah. that's okay, you know? I think as travelers, you feel a pressure to go to the best places in the world. I do the inverted commas yeah. there for anyone who's not watching the video. But then places aren't, it's subjective, you know? Like, yes, there's some That's amazing it. landscapes and stuff, you know? But what is best is subjective to you. And if you can really put the value in that, do what you want to do on your terms, whilst also respecting the fact that you need to work to subsidize this. But also, if you're able to find work that you truly enjoy, like me and you are trying to do right now, not settling for a job just because it subsidizes digital nomadism, but trying to achieve a job that will both subsidize it and we, we're passionate about. I think me and you 
in 10 years, if we achieve that, then I feel like we will have achieved business and pleasure, you know? Uh, and that's why I'm doing it because I'm like, I would not be doing YouTube if I thought business and pleasure can't coexist because that's the reason I'm doing it. Because I want to be one of them people who's 40 years old and say, I love my job. I love my life. I'm so proud of what I've achieved. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not looking through rose tinted glasses thinking YouTube is going to be a breeze and like, I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Already there's times where you're like, this is a pain. I've just edited for a few hours and now I've deleted some and I don't know how to get it back. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's torture. But like, you could probably say too with a podcast, there's, there's times that it doesn't go to plan. But overall, it is a job that you would love if it ever came to your full-time work or whatever. And it does not feel too far away for me, even though it is in the terms of time, like, I said earlier, on average, it takes two years for someone to even earn their first dollar on YouTube. For some people, they would be like, that's forever. For me, two years does not sound like a long time in the grand scheme of things. I'm in this for yeah. the long run, you know? So to, to answer your question in one word, yes, I think it's possible. When we will achieve it is another question entirely. <laughs> Maybe we'll be 50 years old when we finally get there. But like, that's why you've got we'll to enjoy that. the process. Exactly. And definitely, you need to have definitely. that blind optimism sometimes. Uh, yeah. I met a lot of people who ask me in hostels, like, how can I become a digital nomad like you? How can I do this? How can I do this? You just must be so, and I'm just like, you, I just tell them like, you can do this. Just try, you know, like yeah. there's a big element of luck sometimes in every walk of life. But if you're not trying, that luck is never going to come. Just, yeah. just go for it. Take the plunge. Like, make sacrifices where needed. There's been time you've got to live in a dorm with twenty-four people. Sometimes you might not get yeah. sleep. It might be horrible, but it's also amazing at the same time. You know, like it's not about living the life of luxury. It's about making things work in the hope that one day you will be content with what you've achieved, and that, and then it might not last forever. But then you will do something else yeah. to achieve what then content looks like for you. It's, it's an ever-changing cycle, I think, is what you mm. need to realize. Like we said earlier, our journeys both started similar where the business pleasure was just all pleasure. We're a little bit of business. And that was good for us. We made it work, you know. It didn't, our businesses didn't fail our jobs. We didn't lose our jobs. And it worked. But now it doesn't work for us. So now that circle of business and pleasure is changing. There's more business in there and that makes us happy. And that's fine. I think being adaptive is the most important part. Mm. Change depending on how you feel. As you get older, you're going to value different things more. And just don't try and fit yourself within this box. Because even digital nomadism, even though it's so innovative and new, there's already these rules we have to obey. You can't be in a place for longer than three months. That's not really traveling. Or you have to be fully remote all the time. And just don't listen to the rules, you know, make your own rules, make your own journey, do what's right for you. And I think that's the only way you can really do it. I've listened to your podcast and every single person is so vastly different, you know, and 
that's the beauty of it. It can be achieved in so many different ways and just yeah. find what works for you. And it is achievable if you approach it that way, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's a good way to end the episode. Well, thank you so much for joining us no, today. Um, I'll make sure to include all of your links in the episode show notes. Everybody go and check AJ's YouTube channel out. Thank you to everybody for listening and we'll see you again very soon.